your spirit out. I like the uh, sound of that. This last 48 hours, we've realised what it is like when the rain gets poured out, everything gets wet, everything gets renewed. In some cases, stuff gets washed away. So when we're asking the Holy Spirit to be poured out, we might be asking for refreshing. We might be asking for the creek bed to be swept clean. You might have come to church. I'm going to talk about barnacles in a moment. Um, you might have come to church with barnacles on your hull. And the wind of the Spirit might need to blow through and be a descaler, a debark, barnacler. Okay, just to make the right number of letters in that word. The wind of the Spirit. Just linger here for a moment. Father, we just pray right now that we let that outpouring wash over our soul. Father, as we focus in the run-up to Christmas, with the market next week, but today in this meeting, our focus is on celebration. And Lord, we pray that you'd help all of us to catch something fresh today in what I think you've put in my heart to share. So Lord, anoint it, put oil all over it. Put oil over all of us. Lord, where there's prickles, where there's objections, where there's even a question, not that it's wrong to have a question, but where there's a question that's become a sticking point. I pray, Lord, that the wind of the Spirit would be strong enough to dislodge what needs to be dislodged today. And we'd be confident of walking out the door in a little while with our soul in the best shape possible. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. You guys can have a little break. We're going to get you back up at the end to help us to head out the door in a great frame of mind. So how are we all doing? I hear there's got a hat down there. Did you put that on during worship? No. Can you put it on there? Just because I want you to. <laughs> well, I'm do what I'm told. No, you don't have to. You can say, I'm not going to see. Here we go. Turn around, show everybody. So, quick. <laughs> see, there we go. On, on YouTube for all time, Heather. I don't care. Good, there we go. See, that's, that's, that, yes, it is. Thank you. See, that's, that's somebody who's got the freedom to celebrate and be a little bit funny some of us are a little more reserved than that and this morning I want to talk to you about what I felt like God put in my heart as I prepared this message I thought what am I talking about celebration for and I want to talk to you I've talked about these sorts of analogies before and Julie has mentioned to me I use blokey analogies so for the females present I'm, I'm sorry that I, I don't talk about girly things um, but um, 
Uh, probably because I don't know what I, I wouldn't know what I'm talking about is probably the problem there. So uh, bear with me. I think we can all catch a hold of what I'm trying to say here. But I want to say that our ability to celebrate, your willingness, um, not just because I asked Heather to get up, but your willingness on the inside, in your soul, in that part of you that's kind of you, you, you and me, we've got an ability to celebrate that's impacted by our, our attitude, like as in to what shape we're actually in on the inside. Some of us have been really masterful at faking it till we make it. So we can be the party animal from all time on the outside, but a broken vessel on the inside. And my message this morning is about this matter, it is well with my soul. And I want to, going to give you four points, a little go back to the old faithful acrostic, four, four thoughts around the word soul that I think could help us. But I just want to give, paint a little bit of a picture. So with aircraft and sailing boats, um, attitude is actually a description of the vessel or the aircraft's um, position with regards to, in the case of aeroplanes, the air flowing over the wings, and in the case of boats, the air's Airs, uh, the air flowing over the sails and its relationship to the position of the sailing vessel and its hull and its keel. And those things are all engineered to provide, um, hopefully, a spot that's called the optimal attitude. That is, in any given flow of air or water or combination thereof, um, that the vessel or the aircraft would be the most comfortable to be in. It would actually be able to do this maximum speed in those conditions, it would actually be sailing smoothly and cutting across or through a wind and tracking where you want it to go. So the attitude of the vessel is really, really important. And I'd want to say to you that as, um, so as air moves over a wing or a sail and water passes by the keel and the hull of a boat, um, the rudders, the wings, the flaps, the airlines etc. are all engineered to make that thing work at its best attitude. And I want to say to you that you've been designed by God to operate at an optimal attitude. But we get out of shape. Things happen to us. And so the condition of our soul, and I want to use the analogy that in the, what I'm trying to say this morning, our soul is kind of like those parts of those, either an aircraft or a sailing boat, and I want to say to you that, that life passes over your soul. So as much as we talked about the wind and the spirit, pour your spirit out. We're asking for his spirit to actually pour over and probably within our soul. But for what I want to say this morning, let's just stick with the analogy on the outside. It's this, this flow of life. And so life, I don't know what 2023's actually uh, presented to you, but all of it, good, bad and ugly, has in effect... Um, moved across your soul and your attitude to that movement of life is going to be critical in working out whether you're going to be celebrating for real or whether you're going to be celebrating fake or somewhere in between. And I want to say to you that I've got good news. God wants you to have a great healthy soul that allows you to celebrate for real. And that's a miracle in my opinion because I get beat up by life. I don't know about you, but I just get beat up. By, I get beat up by people. I get beat up by reading news articles. I get beat up by thinking about why is that? Who said that? Why are they doing that? That's not true. 
that's not just, that's not right, they're outright lies, um, whatever it might be. Those little prickles of my indignation start to and can become, if I don't learn to soul care, they can become little barnacles on the surface of my soul. And those sorts of things, rust, uh, in the aircraft situation, ice, anything that's not supposed to be on the wing or on the hull or on the sail, begins to impact on its ability to keep the vessel at optimum um, conditions of movement forward. And I want to say to you that it's exactly the same with you and me. We can begin to let barnacles grow on our hull. We can begin to let rust form. We don't go in for maintenance. We just keep on keeping on. And we're wondering why the flaps are flapping at the backs because the hydraulics are broken. We actually haven't fixed it. We, we should have stopped. We should have got help. We should have gone to somebody, can you help me? Can you pray for me? Can you point me in the right direction? Can you tell me a good book to read? Have you got any suggestions? Because I'm feeling like the, the ride's getting pretty bumpy for me. I'm feeling like I'm like always like this. I've been on a plane once, a massive jet aircraft that started doing that, and the thing was just going, I'm thinking, wake up, pilot, sort it out, mate. It's like, it was like this massive A380 Airbus that's like 500 tonnes of plane plus, and it's just sort of like a big old dolphin up there in the air, just doing fit. It's like, what's going on? Captain Mishy comes on and explains what was going on, but it's like, you can, it can be fixed. Your soul can be fixed. Yeah. Your soul is your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say it again. It's not my responsibility. I can help you, but at the end of the day, your soul and its well-being is your responsibility. Yeah. Um, I've sort of pondered whether I'm going to play this song or not because it's taken four minutes of my time, but I think we need to play it. Um, Lucas, can we just let this rip? I want you to close your eyes. You might start crying during this song. You might want to get out of seat and kneel on the ground and just worship Jesus. You might just want to go, this is about my soul.
Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer, businessman and devout Christian who lived in Chicago in the late 19th century. However, his life was marked by tragedy and loss, including the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, which destroyed much of his real estate holding, and the death of his only son shortly thereafter. Despite these setbacks, Spafford remained committed to his faith continued to work tirelessly to help others, including those affected by the fire and those in need of spiritual guidance. In 1873, Spafford decided to take his family on a trip to Europe, hoping that the change of scenery and the opportunity to meet with fellow Christians would lift their spirits. Spafford's wife, Anna, and their four daughters boarded a ship named the Villa de Havre and set sail for Europe. However, Tragedy struck once again, and when the ship collided with another one in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and sank, killing 226 passengers, including Spafford's four daughters. Can you even imagine? Upon receiving news of this tragedy, he immediately set out for Europe to be with his grieving wife. While on the journey... Spafford wrote a poem that we just heard, turned into a hymn, becoming one of the most beloved hymns for generations. I was so struck by reading the background to that. You might have heard that before, you might be aware of it. I wasn't aware of it, I certainly was aware of the hymn. It is well with my soul. And I felt like God really laboured the point with me. Bruce, if you're going to talk about celebration, you've got to attend to the issue of soul care. Because all of us can celebrate. Some of us might be on a journey out of a difficult season. But this hymn and this man's resolute faith place was in spite of the tragedy that he faced... He was determined to make a declaration, it is well with my soul. He didn't want barnacles of grief or anger or misunderstanding about God or life or where he fitted and what's fair and what's not fair. He wasn't worried about compensation. He wasn't suing the shipping company. He, he was just able to sit in his mess and say, it is well with my soul. And I found myself very, very challenged. Bruce, are you living in that space yourself? And so I found myself turning to some scriptures and this message will start to take off into where it's supposed to, to land a little, little bit. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, and this is John writing to Gaius, one person, and he's referring to him as one person. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And I love the fact that I, uh, there's so many resources available to this day and age. The, the Greek text actually starts with the structure of the sentence a little bit differently. It basically says, in all things, may you have a good journey. 
which is where the idea and the thought about the passage of life over the wing of your life started to make sense to me. Like, journey well, Shane. In all things, journey well. It's not about getting more money or a bigger house or a new car. None of those things are wrong in of themselves. But the question is, is it a good journey? Is it a peace-filled journey? Is it a journey free from the impediments of resentment and anger and frustration? Or is it got some, is it, if you've got some drag on your life and one of the biggest killers of flight and ships, boats, sailing boats is drag. Drag's friction that shouldn't be there. And getting back to attitude, attitude's about minimising the friction, setting the thing up to be most optimum. And so that doesn't happen by wishful thinking. Spafford wasn't able to write that hymn because he was just an amazing person. I would imagine his faith was probably a long journey of discovering the faithfulness and goodness of God. And even though in his journey through life, what sailed over his wing was horrific tragedy repeatedly, he was still on the other side of that, able to look at his soul and go, you know what? There's nothing stuck to it that shouldn't be there. It's well with my soul. And I found myself, God, I think I need help. I need a lot of help. Help me, Lord. So how can we look after ourselves? So I've got four four little steps for us today that are uh, biblically encouraged. Number one, this is about your soul care. Make sure you make time to stop and reflect. Like, if you don't stop, you know, an aeroplane, in theory, can fly, well, some planes, they fly for hours, they're huge, a lot of fuel, but eventually they need to land. Sailing ship, I guess, in theory, could sail till the sails fell apart, but um, even then you'd go, it actually gets to the point, even with the most skilled person running, sailing a ship or flying a plane, it needs to actually stop for maintenance. It needs to stop to have things looked at and checked out. When was the last time you checked out your soul? Looked at it and go, nope, that isn't along there. Where did you come from? When did you get stuck on my wing, you little rat bag? (laughs) What? I didn't remember that conversation being that toxic, but look at the crack it's put in my wing. I don't remember being that angry, but what? What is that black cancerous spot on my hull? Stop, reflect, stop, ask somebody to have a look at your soul with you. Not that you bear your soul to everybody, but you've got people in your life, I hope you have, that God's put there that are trustworthy with your inner world that you can ask, can you see any barnacles on me? Can you see any rust forming on my wings can you see anything hanging off the bottom of the wing that shouldn't be there like sometimes we can't see what we can't see but God's put people in our world that can help us listen to Psalm Psalm 1 blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the step of the wicked stand in the way of the sinner or take seat in the company of mockers verse 2 is the key but those whose delight however is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night 
I put, firstly, before I picked this scripture, I thought about the reflecting, praying. Prayer is a great key to soul care. Some people might, who are not Christians, might say, well, I meditate. Well, I'd say to you, if you're on a journey of discovering God, meditate, but meditate on his word. Don't meditate just on vacant space. Meditation works because God invented it. No doubt about that. But he didn't mean for meditation to be something we just did and empty their minds like some other religious um, traditions would encourage us to do Christian meditation is actually getting a Bible out opening it up reading a verse and meditating on it meditate on his word not meditate on don't meditate on your barnacle okay some of us manifest on our barnacles it's like this barnacle can't do anything about it well what if Doing something about it was actually about stopping and meditating on his word. Just a little hint. Whatever he does, this goes down in verse 3, whatever he does prospers. Whatever they do prospers. There's that word again, prospers. And you know, we get a lot of flack in Pentecostal circles over the years, but derisive comments about you preach a prosperity gospel. Well, I want to say I've just been reinvigorated to go, we sure do. We preach a good journey gospel doing life well gospel we used to have on the wall out the front your best life that's prosperity not getting more money in the bank not getting more friends more friends is great but prospering is actually which could be all of those things none of them are excluded but they're not the end game the end game is this wing that i've got on my life my wings man they are just carving it up i'm having a great time life's good it's fantastic i'm not making it up you can say that and not mean it that's not the point the point is soul care is i can say that and mean it because my soul's in good shape it is well with my soul this is helping anybody so i stop and reflect second point observe what is my context am i actually heading into some stormy weather is there some weird turbulence coming up are there strange ocean currents or places like sailing across to tasmania on the spirit of tasmania can be an interesting experience you've got wind going one way and water going the other um even worse going between cape jervis and penishore to kangaroo island that's a treacherous stretch of water but the water's going at a rate of knots out around the island not sure whether it's going north or south but oftentimes it's completely perpendicular to the wind and even on a motor vessel it's kind of just chaos observe your context don't expect it to always be optimal weather conditions but if your barnacles are off and your wings are polished and in good shape you'll get through you'll just get through people freak out in severe turbulence in big aircraft they kind of Whoa! screams and yelling and people get injured for not in their seats with seat belts on i know it's dangerous and it's scary but most of those big planes do not fall apart in turbulence <clears throat> they shake they shudder they can drop thousands of meters or go up thousands of meters in a matter of moments and it's as scary as all heck but their soul their wings they're flapping and they're bending and they've got big engines on them. You look at anything far out, it's all going to fall to bits. Maybe you feel like your soul's on the point of just collapsing under the pressure of life. I want to say to you, don't you think that? I walk by faith. My soul is in good shape. 
Consider this in Genesis 15, around this, that, this line of thinking. What is my context and what is the atmosphere I'm creating around my life? Do I look at my circumstances with God? So I'm not just looking at my soul and going, oh, I think I'll sort that out. It's like, make sure God's like right there. So as where prayer comes in, it's like, God, I want you to stand with me. I said, you need someone to help you. Best helper is God. It's like, God, what do you see? So in this story, Abram, chapter 15, Genesis, the word of the Lord came to him in a vision. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. There's a message right there. Not stuff, but God is the reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant of my household will be heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him again, basically, and said, this, is, this man will not be your heir, but a son who will be your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So God, in verse 5, took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. Abram's response to all that was, believe the Lord, and he, God, credited it to him as righteousness. It is well with my soul. God showed him how to deal with observing painful circumstances. Look at something else. Let me say that again. It might go kind of like parent, parenting 101. It's called diversion therapy. You just divert your children's attention from whatever it is that they've become obsessed about. Some of us get obsessed, our soul's obsessed with the barnacle. And God's going to say, get your eye off the barnacle. That's going to come off in a minute because we're going to look at something else. <coughs> Is that possible? Well, we're here today because that scripture came true. 4,000 years ago. It's quite a while ago. Um, it's come true. We're here because Abram believed God. Wouldn't it be incredible to think that hundreds of years from now, a barnacle that came off your life filled a church, filled a family with joy, filled a family with hope? It's possible. God's big. Point number three, understand the impact of poor maintenance. I've already gone over that, mentioned it, I think. I might just skip through this one pretty quick. So don't ignore things that have attached themselves to your soul during this year. Yep, I've gone through that, but... Let me just, I had a few things that I did list here that might help you think, you know, has guilt got on you? If you've done something stupid and you're feeling guilty about it and you're just not sure how to get, you've even talked to Jesus about it and you know he's forgiven you, but you're, you just have to admit on the inside you've been a goose. You might have had, so you might just have something hanging on. Need to get rid of it. Shame, animosity, maybe you've got a debt that's out of control, whether that's a debt of money or a debt of something else. Maybe negative self-talk. I can go there. I can call myself a stupid idiot any time of the day or night. And if you hung around me long enough, you'd hear me say things like that. You're an idiot. Very, very, very bad habit. There's still a barnacle on my life, just letting you know. Self-loathing. Unmet expectations. I don't know what it is, but understand its impact on your soul. And a further dimension here, using an analogy of boats and planes, is that the maintenance 
more often than not, should be attended to by a specialist. Get help. Don't be afraid to ask for good help to get the barnacles off your life. Second Kings chapter 11, verse 1, reads this way in the NIV. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, it's a kind of interesting job spec, go to, go to war every spring, that's all we do, we're going to war. <laughs> David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Let me just rephrase that. But Bruce stayed home. In the spring, when things are starting to take off in your life, the last thing you want to do is do a David moment and send out all your friends to do all the work and then stay home. So what is in this story for us about him? David moved away from the connection with those who put boundaries around his life, even though he was the king. Job was his advisor. He lost his voice. The voice, he's supposed to go with the voices, not send them out by themselves and stay home. And of course, you know what happens after this. This is the story where he ends up seeing Bathsheba and conspires, gets her husband killed, and he commits adultery with her, the child dies. It just opens up this Pandora's box of problematic stuff because he jettisoned his friends. If you want your soul to be in good shape, keep your friends close. The old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, maybe that's helpful because sometimes enemies can point things out you don't want to hear. And a friend might be too nice to tell you. An enemy will just stick the boots in and give it to you, both barrels, and you think, well, that's not very nice. And you go away and think, but jeepers, that's true. And creep off the stage. So um, keep your friends. Make friends. Church is about community having good friends. It's about them being part of God's means for you and I to have a good soul. And my last point, for our soul to be in shape, we've got to have a perspective of living for the benefit of others. So the irony of our soul being in good shape is that it gets in its best shape when we're not living for us, personally, when we're not self-absorbed. One of the fastest ways to help a person who's got a, not a debilitating, but a, a level of depression in their life is to get alongside them and ask them to help you to do something and get them to help other people spontaneously to do things. Helping other people... Take care of what we're looking at. It's a little bit like the same thing. We can be obsessed with the barnacle. We're going to be obsessed with the moment in time when we got wounded. Maybe obsessed is the wrong word. We're just stuck there. We've got this stuck thing. And it's just like all of life is flowing past us. You know that big boulder in the middle of a creek? And the water's just flowing down the creek and it gets to this rock and it just goes whoop around it and off it goes. Life's just flowing past that rock. And some of us have got a rock in our riverbed. And the, the spirit we're praying about, talking about, singing about is washing past us, but it's, it's just not getting any traction with regards to moving that sucker out the way. One of the ways to move those things on is to live for the benefit of others. You might ask somebody or help somebody do something with somebody and all of a sudden they say, you know what, 
I've got a backhoe down the shed. I reckon I can lift that, lift that rock out of that creek bed for you. Would you like me to help you do that? You've got no hope of lifting that thing out of you. You haven't got the tools, you haven't got the skill, you haven't got anything that's even looking like that. You say, really? Would you do that for me? Of course I will. <laughs> Big rock's gone. Would you like me to get my de-scaling kit out and start taking those barnacles off your hull? Oh, could you, would you do that for me? Yeah, will you help me? So I'm going to help you. That's how it works. Live for the benefit of others. John 15 says this. My command is this. Jesus talking to us. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then Ephesians 4, I'll finish with this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle Patient and bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You can do that. I can do that when our soul is well. So it is well with my soul. Why don't we say that together this morning? It is well with my soul. soul. If that's the beginning of the journey for you to get completely healed, I say thank you, Jesus. If it's a statement of fact... I say, thank you, Jesus. If it's a statement of faith that you just got, I've just got to have to step out into this unknown, I say, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet? So as we take care of our soul, folks, we position ourselves to join the celebrations at Christmas time with others wholeheartedly. And so we're not going to fake it till we make it. We're going to be all in to the best of our ability. So God bless you, church. I pray and I just hope that this message has uh, given you something to chew over for Christmas as your family gathers and as we get together next week, working tirelessly, make the market, Christmas market, a great weekend. Let me just pray. Father God, I pray for every one of us today that the wind of life blowing over our hull, our sails, our wings, whatever that word picture helps us to get hold of. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for souls to be declaring like Horatio Spafford was able to do, it is well with my soul. Help us, Lord, to reach out to people that we trust, brothers and sisters in Christ, that can help us. Lord, we pray that we'd have a great week, season of descaling, debarnacling, rust repair, painting the wingtips, fixing up the hydraulics, whatever needs to happen, Lord, so that we can enter the rest of this year with the right attitude. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.